Hello and welcome to What's Cooking with Flo and Aurélie, a podcast series by the Quebec government. Today, it is our great pleasure to be with entrepreneur, author, and business owner of the renowned Maman Bakery, Benjamin Sant. Thank you so much for being here today. In a few words, could you tell us who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, so um, thanks again for having me. I'm uh, Ben Somonté, the co-founder of Maman. Uh, I co-founded Maman in 2014 with uh, Elisa Marshall, who's uh, my wife. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I do dishes, kitchen, uh, running a company. So as you know, we, we especially when you're an entrepreneur, you do a little bit of everything. But uh, really loving what I do. And uh, we started with a location in, um, in New York and have uh, multiple locations around New York, D.C. and soon Miami. Amazing. It's growing really fast. I think you have over 30 locations, right? Yes, we are on set to open our 32nd location. So um, we had six prior to COVID and really COVID accelerated a little bit our, our expansion and growth. Uh, and now we have 31 going to 32. Amazing. Always good to hear about these successes. So we always like to ask our, our guests and, and start the, the podcast on a sweet note. What was your breakfast today? You know what? It was not super exciting. Cappuccino. <laughs> It was a rough morning, so just a cappuccino this morning. The caffeine. And you know, the funny thing is I, I never drink coffee before putting my mom. And now I drink, I drink too much coffee. It's a lifestyle change. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're curious, Benjamin, because we know that you were actually you were a lawyer at some point. How did you go from law to owning a cafe bakery in New York and And more. So, do you want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah, I'm not sure I did it, but uh, <laughs> I am. Uh, no, so I, I, I practiced law for five years. I was a corporate lawyer in uh, Canada between Toronto and Montreal. And the last place that I uh, practiced was in UK for a Canadian law firm. And I really enjoyed what I was doing. I really love uh, being a corporate lawyer, but I didn't necessarily see myself becoming a partner in one of the big firms and so forth. And um, At a very young age, I always had an entrepreneurial mindset. And then an opportunity came up. So when I was studying, every summer I would go home, which is France for me, and I would work in a restaurant. So I did that for almost nine years, uh, from May to August, and I always loved it. Um, it was very fun. I learned a lot. And I always told myself, it's maybe an industry that I want to come back to if I have the opportunity. And at the time, I had friends who opened restaurants and uh, bar in Europe, a friend from high school, and they kept poking me, saying, hey, you should join the group. We'd love to have you with uh, with us. And they were my best friends. So I thought, nah, it would be fun to work with your best friend. They had a project at the time in Ibiza in Spain. Everything aligned for me to make that decision very quickly in, uh, in couple nights. I went to see the managing partner of that law firm and say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to quit. And uh, I went from London and a week later, I was on a, on a beach in Ibiza trying to, to open a, a, a beach restaurant. Um, so it was a very challenging, but very rewarding experience. And uh, it's been 10 years now. So loving it. Loving the ride, huh? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a big stretch, but it's the, you're not the first lawyer I know who actually changed career. And it's very useful to also have that background for, you know, when you have your own business. Completely. And I would, I would agree with you, you know, um, all the educational uh, education and, and the mm -hmm. practice is super useful on a daily basis. No question. 
So I'm curious to know about the name Maman that you chose for your cafe bakery. Uh, Maman means mom in French. I also know that your wife and co-founder is from Montréal. So I'm I'm curious to know if that played a role in naming the cafe bakery that way or in the identity of Maman. Yeah, so, you know, I, I grew up really with my mom's cooking. So my, my mom was not a, a chef per se, but she, she's a great cook. Um, and so really... Elisa and I were looking for a name for the cafe. We were struggling a little bit, you know, it's the first, uh, it's, I think the name, it's the most challenging um, obstacle that you have when you open a concept like that. And one day we were talking to each other, I said, what's, who's your favorite chef? And we both said, Maman. She grew up as well with a mom cooking uh, amazing meals for, for the family. So we just felt, you know, it was It was a perfect name for us. It really resonated with us. It resonated with a lot of people. Usually people say, my favorite chef is my mom or my least favorite chef is my mom, depending on how they grew up. And also, uh, to be very transparent, a lot of items on the menu was inspiration for my mom. So to us, it was it was the perfect, perfect name for what we were trying to accomplish there. The name does make you think of just like your mom's cooking. And, and when you go in a Maman Cafe, you just really feel that sort of home vibes that I'm guessing you guys were were looking for when opening these um, these bakeries. Completely, and even the design, you know, like uh, when we opened, we we shipped uh, a lot of furniture from from France. My grandma gave me her armoire, you know. It's like it's it was a true family business. So just the name made so much sense in in what we were trying to achieve. So let's go from the emotional to more the business side, <laughs> which is also a big big part of the mamo, of course. So let's talk uh, about business. So, you know, we're wondering, so what are the challenges you've had to face in starting a B2C company in North America, knowing that it's a very competitive market and, you know, the food scene itself is very competitive. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so many obstacles and so many challenges for sure. I think, you know, you have to be willing and I mean, it's cliche, but you have to be willing to do a little bit of everything from, you know, mm -hmm challenge was staffing you know when you don't know what you're really doing yourself it's tough to you know to find the right staff so you have to be committed and really understand that um you're gonna have to be able to do a little bit of everything and for us was you know being a dishwasher one day to a barista the next day to a cook the following day um and, and i think you know being surrounding by the right staff was the first most challenging part um, because you try to create something and you try to convey that that image that you have in your mind Um, and it's not always easy to translate to certain people, um, especially when yourself are not really sure what you're doing. It was really your first experience, even if, you know, both of us had worked in restaurant before. Working in a restaurant and owning a restaurant, as you can imagine, is two different things. So I would say, you know, finding the right people. And uh, it's also the most rewarding stuff for us is, you know, I have our first ever employee. Who started, it was Elisa, Kathleen and myself. And Kathleen is our beverage director now. So she's been with us for literally nine years and that's super rewarding so as much it was as much it was the most challenging aspect of building a concept was um it's super rewarding now i think the second um the second obstacle is really understanding who you are as, 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 a, as a concept you know it's 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 easy to say oh we're going to do this and this but you have to be extremely humble and, and flexible and listen to your customer base to really understand that you're not doing a concept for yourself which at first you do, that's what you're doing because you have an image again a, a conception of a, of the project itself but very quickly understanding what's working and what's not and being humble enough to to be flexible and that was one of the most challenges at first because 
you know, you open the door, you don't know if people are going to enjoy the pastry uh, that you're making, if they enjoy the, the salad and so forth. So super nerve wracking, um, but also super rewarding when you see that people seem to enjoy what you're doing and being able to open a second one and a third one and so forth. Yeah, you're right. You're touch on a good point. At first, you you have an idea you created. You're the customer almost to the business. But then you have, as it evolves, you have to understand a little bit more about who's your customer, and then you can craft your business around that. But it takes a minute, from what I understand. And you've had mentioned the pandemic a little while ago. So how did you manage that? Because that was pretty difficult on any anything food related you were essential also businesses but at the same time there has been just a difficult time to deal with that so do you want to tell us what happened during that time of course yeah i think you know yeah difficult is definitely another statement it was like a, a lot of business obviously at that time was super challenging i think we get fortunate definitely having the right relationship for example our landlord all the landlord we had at the time were super mom and pops people who have been supporting to our business all these years, um, becoming almost friends. And I think that relationship was super important as you can, uh, uh, in in the business that we are in, because the main issue was paying rent. If you don't have a business, you know, you can stop all the suppliers and so forth. You can terminate or lay off all your employees, but the rent is still there. So that was very fortunate to have this relationship. And also because we were such a tight group, uh, adding employees who've been with us for so many years, we were able to adjust our daily basis and really um, making sure we can do what we need to do to to exist uh, during that time. So we're starting to have everyone, especially at the office, you know, um, doing other things. We have people who are marketing directors starting to be a driver. Or can we go to the people? They cannot come to us. So why don't we go and do a, a weekly uh, pop up in the Hamptons because a lot of people left the city to go there. So every Wednesday we drove there and it was, you know, selling stuff out of our um, of truck. Or can we work with hospital? We were set up as a caterer for so many different uh, people that we have met along the way. And we say, why don't we uh, increase that? But again, we had people who used to do other functions and my mom became cook. And really having such a tight team was very beneficial and i think you know we we came stronger as a team because all of a sudden we were all cross-trained because we had a little bit of more time and flexible and humble in our approach that people were doing stuff that never done it before even at maman and uh, that that went a long way for sure mm-hmm. flexibility big time that sounds like you have a great team you've surrounded yourself with just Awesome people. Most of your locations are in the U.S. and around the East Coast, but you also have two in um, in Canada. So how does that how does that work out? Because it's you know two different markets, two different cultures. We never planned, you know. So for the first one in Toronto, for example, you know, I used to literally work in that tower, so I knew the the landlord very well. I knew the the people who were representing the landlord very well. So it came a little bit organically. Like we never had planned to open a second location. First of all, but on top of that, the location outside of New York. But first, it was kind of making sense because Elisa was coming back home often. She's from Toronto. So we felt like, hey, if you're going to spend some time there, it'd be nice to have a mama there. And same thing for Montreal. You know, Montreal came up because Elisa was pregnant. We just felt it was the right move to go to Montreal to have the baby there because we had a little bit more of support than in New York. And as entrepreneurs, we are we're like, hey, we're going to have a kid, but we already bought. Can we? 
you know, uh, open a mammal there. So it came a little bit organically. And for us, um, we also understood we, the difference in the market, having lived in Toronto and having lived in Montreal for several years. And also, you know, our mindset is always try to be flexible and, and adjust when we can and try to understand the, the market. It go back to one of your first question is, as much as you want to be the customer of your own concept, you really have to listen to the customers. And that's something we learned very early on and really help us. And we benefit from that learning uh, when we open in, in Canada. And by the way, Toronto and Montreal are two different markets as well, especially mm. Toronto and, and where we are in Montreal is two different neighborhoods. So, noticed that you do collaboration with other brands. Um, so, for example, I noticed that you had one of your baking goods that was with David's Tea, shout out to a Quebec brand. What made you decide to introduce collaborations at Maman? And if a brand, you know, wants to do a collaboration with Maman, what are the requirements? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, again, it came organically. I uh, never thought, you know, we'd be able to partner with these, uh, these Amis brands. Um, but when the first one came up, you know, there's so many benefits if the fit is right for them and for us, you know, in terms of marketing and brainstorming and coming up with some some cool ideas. And first, it's 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 really a matter of fit, you know. He, he has to work both ways. And, and it doesn't have to be food. We had partner with a closing brand. We had partner with baby brand. Really, it's, it's, uh, it's also... Uh, making sure there's not only a fit on the brand side, but also on the personality side. And sometimes we have calls who like, we want to work with that person. It's amazing. It's, uh, you understand Maman. We understand what he's trying to accomplish there. So it's a fit on different level. And, and I think what to expect if a brand would uh, reach out to us is, you know, we're super creative. We love this partnership. I think, you know, it's the whole team love them because we kind of break the, a little bit the routine and, um, and give us opportunity to be creative. And, and that's super beneficial for the entire group. Yeah. And how long often are these collaborations for? Like, do they vary in time or? Yeah, it could go from one day to a month. You know, we have sometimes what we call pop-up or partnership that's just one day. You know, for example, we were at L'Oréal yesterday doing a, a pop-up with them and it's just a, a day and it can go to months. You know, we have a couple partnerships that lasted like a couple months and really depending on what's the rationale behind partnership. And both works. You know, I've seen from, you know, a day that's super impactful on the marketing side and so forth to to, par to partnership will last a bit longer as well and, 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 and super beneficial for both companies. Sounds really great. So we talked about the the past, how you came about to create Maman and the present. So you mentioned Miami earlier. So now what's the future for Maman? Is there any expansion, special project, new adventure? You know, what's going on? We have opened quite a few locations in the New York area, New York City, but also like the suburbs of New Jersey at Connecticut. And I think, you know, we were looking at different markets. You know, we felt it was if Maman could be relevant in this market. And, you know, obviously we are now in D.C., uh, opening our fifth location at the end of the month. But Florida, they came up very quickly, um, especially through COVID. We all know that, you know, Florida was very, um, was, some people call it the winner of COVID. In a sense, a lot of people moved there. <laughs> Ever shut down, and we were inviting a couple of times. I knew Miami more on a on a customer, like as a tourist or customer of Miami, but not as a business owner. And, uh, and I'm very impressed by what the development there, what people are doing, and so forth. And so we we decided to 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 take a chance and open Maman in uh, Miami. So we're opening uh, mid January our first location, and we have a couple locations set up for uh, 2024 there. And maybe the West Coast at some point, right? 
who knows? Before uh, jumping on that call, I, I, I'm a huge uh, West Coast uh, fan on a personal level. I love going there um, on my vacation as a tourist. And I think, you know, I had a chance to be uh, to be invited a couple of times to see Spicy Bear on a on the business side of things, and uh, I would love to. I love to, I would love to do that jump. So nothing planned for 2024, but you never know. I you say. never know. <laughs> we um we kind of touched about you know the whole journey of Maman, and and if you reflect a little bit on on how you came about and and the successes of Maman, what would you advise to any business owners who are really looking to launch a food and brick and mortar store in the U.S.? Your three advices that you would give them. First is make sure you love what you're going to do. It's cliche, especially in our industry, you have to be super committed. I think all the people that I've seen around me that's super successful is because they put the time and effort into it. And, um, you know, you really have to be committed to it. Sometimes when I do some consulting, that's one of the first questions that I ask. Why are you making the move? Some people say, I want to work less, or I want to be my own boss. And I always say, just be careful, because just by saying it, it sounds easier than what it is. I think the second opinion advice that I give usually, it's also be humble. Uh, it go back to the first question that you had. I think as much as you believe in your concept, and you should believe in your concept, be ready to pivot and make adjustments along the way and listen to people. When I do some consulting, too many people who comes with a concept and they're very stubborn in the concept. And some of them are amazing concepts, but you have to be able to listen to what the people want, because at the end of the day, you're not going to be your own customer. You need everyone else. And the last one is take the time, be patient. I've seen some people as well wanting to make the move too quickly. With Elisa, we get lucky that we knew the landlord, we get the spare, but before we get to that, it took months and months because we wanted to make sure that we had almost planned for everything. Because even if you try to plan for everything, obviously you're going to have surprises along the way, but try to plan as much as you can and take your time because then when you open, it's a little bit more difficult to adjust for things. So I would say be patient. Were there books or mentors or podcasts that you would read, listen to that conspired you during that journey or gave you those key advices or it was just really on a day-to-day -day basis what you learned organically? I think for me, the best way was try to meet as many people as I can. Um, and try to understand and have people share their experience. I think, you know, learning from people, and that's why I don't do a lot of consulting, but I've done some. Um, sometimes I would love to do more, but lack of time. And why I like doing it is because I just want to share my experience, share all the mistakes that I made, and you hope that the next person will, will benefit from them and not do the same mistake. So when I was planning for Maman, I try to meet as many people as I could who have mm. done similar or something in FNB and really to understand what to do and not what to do that was extremely beneficial to me so I guess it's almost time to wrap up and we want to we started on a sweet note we want to finish on another sweet note so if uh, anyone goes to Maman what is your go-to item but bias so I would say everything but I think you know what I like about the concept is really there's a little bit of everything for everyone you know we have a strong pastry program so if you're looking for more a sweet side of things we definitely have amazing pastries for you um, very robust um, savory program as well super few from salad to sandwiches um, really the mindset is a, a simple food really focusing on the ingredients so I would say you know depending on your needs but there's a little bit of everything and also on the coffee side of things we really took time to learn the coffee side of, of things becoming good barista understanding the origin of coffee so if you're up for a good coffee uh, go to mama 
Yeah, the, the coffee is delicious. And also the matcha lattes are one of my favorites in the city. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much. We realize that that could be an amazing alternative to coffee. If we, if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you? I have to say that your Instagram page is delightful. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I, I don't want to take any credits. It's uh, definitely Elisa who's managing all this and she has done a, an amazing job. But also you have our contact on, on our website, www.mamonnyc.com. You have a lot of information there. And, uh, and I truly hope to, to see you in one of the cafes. I'm, I'm there every day. I'm one of the cafes. So uh, uh, if you recognize me, uh, don't hesitate to come for a chat. I love interacting with our customers or staff. And hopefully we can meet up at uh, one of the moments. Do you have uh, any pop-up events happening in New York anytime soon in the coming months? In the next couple of weeks, we have all our Thanksgiving program um, that's happening. So if you're looking for Thanksgiving dinner or pie and stuff, a pretty robust offering this year. Um, and at Christmas, we're going to do a little cookie pop-up. Uh, more information to come, but we did it oh, ago and it was pretty successful. So we hope to replicate that this year. So great. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much for your time. It was really great having you on our first episode of What's Cooking with Flo and Aurélie. And we hope to see you soon. But thank you so much for having me. It's great and I uh, hope to see you soon at Maman. Thank, thank you. you.